you know, growing up in Kansas and going to high school here, there was a group of about four of us that hung around together all the time. I'm not going to name names because some of them are still around here and, and I have the duty to protect the innocent or at least the, the presumed innocent. But there was a period of time when we were between the ages of 15 and 16, there was a, a period of a, several months where only one of us had a driver's license. Only one of us had access to a car, and that car was, of course, the family station wagon. So if we wanted to go anywhere, we had to get permission, we had to get the keys, and we had to ask very carefully. And for some reason, it became my job. I was the designated asker. And so I would be hauled into one side of the house and said, hey, Brett, go ask my dad. Go ask my dad if, if we can borrow the car. Go ask him. And, and, and of course, I, I would always respond, why me? Why should I ask your dad if we can borrow the car? He's not my dad. Why do you want me to ask him? And, and the answer would come back, <laughs> because he likes you. <laughs> he likes you. So I, I'm still not sure about that, but I have to tell you, it worked. I would go into the living room where my friend's dad was plopped down in front of the TV. I would sit down next to him and we would chat for a little bit, talk about this and that. And finally, I would say, hey, would you mind if we took the car and, and went to Charleston for a while? I'm just going to go get something. Would you, would you mind if we do that? And, and the response was always, oh, sure, that's no problem. He'd reach in his pocket and hand us the keys. And we were off again for another adventure where all of us remain completely innocent, I, I assure you. You know, in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, the disciples observe Jesus. They're watching him and they, they see that he's praying and they see there's something different about the way that Jesus prays. It's not so much about the words as it is about the relationship, who the Father was to Jesus and, and in turn who he was to the Father. Now, you and I may be tempted to say, well, that's just Jesus, isn't it? I mean, he is the Son of God after all. That's just him and, and God together. And But that's not it because Jesus taught his disciples to pray. The way that Jesus prayed, what was special about it, was something that could be taught. And so in, it's there in Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4, that he teaches us the Lord's Prayer, what we've come to call the Lord's Prayer. And then right after he's done, he continues in verses 5 through 13. And what we have to realize is he's still teaching. He's still teaching us about prayer. We might view verses 1 through 4, you know, the Lord's Prayer. We might view that as the how-to. And, and the, the passage that we're looking at today, 5 through 13, this is the part that reminds us of the who. Who are we praying to? Who is the Father? What is He like? And what should we expect from Him? How are we to approach Him? We'll begin in Luke chapter 11, verse 5. And he, that is in Jesus, said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. 
I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is, because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be open. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. It's an interesting passage. Jesus is teaching here. There are two parables here. There are two teaching statements and, and really one big point that Jesus is teaching us here. It's a, it's a lot to take in. But at the heart of this passage is the character of God, the Father's character, what he's like. And just as Jesus taught us to pray to him as father, he wants to be a father to us. The father longs to engage us through prayer. You have to listen very carefully to hear that. Because the examples that Jesus gives us here are, are human examples. But but they are flawed and broken because they're human, just like us. But if we listen, if we listen carefully, we hear that the Father welcomes us to pray bold prayers. Jesus teaches us this parable, which we've come to call the parable of the friend at midnight. And, and I've got to tell you, it's a bit of a confusing parable. First of all, it's a negative parable. It doesn't tell us what God is like. It tells us what God is not like. Second, the wording of this is, is one long question. That's how it's worded originally. It's just one long question. And as we read it, we wonder, well, who are we? Are, are we the friend who comes knocking? Or are we the friend who's in the house? Are we both? Who, who are we supposed to be in this parable? But there's a detail in this parable that you need to listen for carefully. Listen, listen carefully as I read it again, verses 5 through 8. He said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, Though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Did you hear at that time? Friend, 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 friend. Four times in the few verses we have here, four times in this little story, we have the word friend. Friend comes to the door at midnight. Uh, another friend has come for a visit, and the friend is persistent. He is banging. He's disturbing the whole house. Everyone is sleeping. I've got my kids finally laid down. But it, the friend is still going to get up and do the right thing because he is annoyed, but he's still a friend. Now, if, 
if that is your nature, if that's the kind of people that we are, then how much more will the Heavenly Father do for us? How much more does He desire us to come to Him boldly? That's the lesson. God is not the grumpy neighbor. God is not the grumpy guy next door shouting, get off my lawn and stop ringing my bell. He's not too occupied with keeping his own house in order that he won't help you, that he won't answer your request. He loves you. And when you come to him boldly, it brings him joy to hear you. Luke, later in, in chapter 12, verse Verse 32, Luke will have Jesus say, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He longs to care for you. The Father welcomes bold prayers. And going hand in hand with that is the truth that the Father desires to give us good gifts. Now, I wonder if you recognize this picture over here. I wonder if you recognize this picture. Have you ever seen this image or seen anything like it? That, <clears throat> that is Coco Pele. Coco Pele is a Native American god. You, you may have seen him if you've been to the Southwest or if you've brought anything back from the Southwest. You may have seen Coco Pele playing his flute. Coco Pele is a is a fertility god. Be very careful where you hang your little image of Coco Pele if you bring one back. But Coco Pele is also a trickster. You'll notice his back looks like it's humped. It's, he's actually carrying a, a sack on his back. He's a trickster. And if you ask him for something and you're not very, very specific about it, he may trick you and give you something that you don't actually want. Now, a lot of cultures, for some reason, a lot of cultures have a trickster God. And it may go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. It's there in Genesis chapter 3 that we read of the serpent. And what does Genesis 3 tell us? The serpent was more crafty. The serpent was more tricky. What does he do to Eve? He deceives her. He tricks her with the apple. He tricks her with a promise. And ever since then, we humans can't seem to get it out of our heads. We can't seem to get the idea out of our heads that there is a God, there is a power out there somewhere that wants to trick us, that wants to do something evil to us and, and give us evil when we ask for good. And so somehow we come to the Father and we wonder, is, is He like that? And at times... We treat him like he is. We treat the Father like, like maybe he's like that. You've heard it, and maybe you even said it. I, I've heard it many times. Don't ever ask God for patience. Because if you ask God for patience, do you know what he will do? He will bring people into your life that will try your patience. He will bring situations into your life that will try your patience. He will make your life miserable. <sighs> and on some level, that, that makes us very mistrustful. Of God. It makes us very mistrustful of His character, and it keeps us from asking for some very good things like, like patience. And so listen to what Jesus has to teach us in this lesson about prayer. Verses 11 and 12. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? 
Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a, a scorpion. Now, you know, fish, a fish has scales and a snake has scales. A fish looks, a fish is slimy and a, a snake looks slimy. Uh, so, so are you really wanting a fish or, or will anything with scales do? Well, no, no, dad, I, I'm hungry. I need a fish. And worse than that, uh, hold out your hand. What have I got in my hand? It, maybe it's an egg. You can eat the egg. Or maybe it's a scorpion that's going to sting you, that's going to hurt you. Would we do that to our kids? No, absolutely not. And in fact, the very next verse, he says, you're evil and yet you know how to give good gifts to your children. So why do you expect anything less from God? We can go back again to Jesus' sermon on the level place in Luke chapter 6. And it's there in Luke 6, verse 36, that Jesus says, be merciful even as your father is merciful. We already know his nature. His nature is that he is merciful. And so, and so when we pray, it's, it's not about getting the words just right, or he might trick us. It's about knowing his heart. It's about knowing that, that he is our father, that he longs to care for us. And really, it, it goes back to what Jesus taught us at the beginning of this prayer. It goes back to, to, to verse 2. Father, hallowed be your name. You know, part of God's name being holy, part of it being hallowed, is God himself living up to his name, that we trust him to be a father to us, that we trust him to give good gifts. And as a father as the best father. He not only promises to give us good gifts, but the father, the father promises more than we could ever ask. Listen to how Jesus wraps up this teaching on prayer in verse 13. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. <laughs> Suddenly it's not about knocking on the door, I need some loaves of bread. Suddenly it's not about a fish or a snake. Suddenly it's not about eggs or scorpions. It's about relationship. The disciples wanted Jesus to teach them the secret of his prayers, of the secret of getting God's attention. And what Jesus shows them, what he shows us, is that the Father desires to give himself to us through his Holy Spirit. And the people who first read Luke's gospel, they must have desperately needed to know that. Luke wrote his gospel during a time of persecution when many of the leaders, many of the most outspoken Christians, had already been killed for their faith. Peter was gone. Paul was gone. Most of the apostles had been wiped out. Many of those church leaders who stood up and spoke up and led the church had been killed for their faith. And yet here in the gospel, and again in the book of Acts, Luke reminds them again and again, you're not weak and you're never alone. He'll begin his second book. He'll begin the book of Acts in chapter 1, verse 8, with the words, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. You will have strength. You will stand firm, and you will testify about me. And in promising the Holy Spirit, 
Jesus is promising that the Father is, is answering the first request in the Lord's Prayer. If you go back in, in chapter 11, go back to, to, to verse 2, we have the very first request there in the Lord's Prayer. The request is simply, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. We hear those words, and very often we make that about God's reign and God's rule here on earth, uh, that, that his reign and rule and his perfect justice would come here to earth. But realize if, if his kingdom is to come, it must first come in us. It first must come in the hearts of his people, in the way that his kingdom rules in us in the way that we treat others, the way we love others, the way we care for each other, the way we share our daily bread, right? The way we seek justice, the way we love mercy. His kingdom comes in us as he fills us with his Holy Spirit. I love that final statement in verse 13. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. How much more will the Heavenly Father give? And so often we come to God with our prayers, with our, with our weak little prayers, and, and whether we say the words or not, the, the attitude seems to be, is this too much? Am I asking for too much, God? Am I being a bother? Have I, have I been knocking on your door way too many times? Are you going to get annoyed and give me something I don't want or something that, that, that might even hurt me? For every time you felt like your prayers don't get hurt, don't get hurt, like your prayers don't matter, I want you to hear Jesus' words for you. How much more will the Heavenly Father give? And what He gives isn't just what we want. He gives us Himself. Through His Holy Spirit, He promises us His presence, His power, His peace, that He will never leave us. That no matter our need, He is with us, that He longs to come to us, that He longs to engage us in prayer. Your Father loves you. He desires to come to you. He wants you to trust Him. He wants you to know Him, and He wants to give you good gifts. We come to our time of communion, and we come recognizing the greatest gift that we've received, that in our time of greatest needs, while we were still enemies to God, as Paul says, Christ died for us, the, the godly for the ungodly. He gave His life for us. You stop and think about the gift that we're about to remember together through this time of communion. He's already shown us the extent of his love. Can we trust him for those daily needs? Can we trust him for our daily bread? Can we trust him that he brings his kingdom, his justice, his grace, his mercy, and his peace to our lives and then through us to the world around us? Let's take a moment and pray. Father, we thank you for the good gifts you give us. I thank you for the good friends and the, those that gather together here week after week, those that come together, whether online or in person. And they, uh, they not only seek you, but they seek you for each other. Lord, week after week, people, people bring prayer requests to us. And sometimes we feel like maybe it's too much. We're, we're, we're bothering God again. 
And yet you've already shown us, Lord, that in our deepest needs, you not only listen, but you come running and you give of yourself. Today, as we take the bread that reminds us of the body broken, as we take the cup that reminds us of bloodshed, and Lord, as we think about those things that are on our hearts right now, for us, for our family, for our friends, those things that are on our heart for our world right now, Lord, help us remember the boldness that you've already called us to. Help us to remember that you hear us and you long to give us good gifts. We love you. Thank you for your amazing love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Go in peace.